The Halfling's Gem, Chapter 22, The Rift Smoke, emanating from the very ground they stood upon, wafted by drearily and rolled around their feet. By the angle of its roll, the way it fell away below them only a foot or two off to either side, only to rise again in another cloud, the friends saw that they were on a narrow ledge, a bridge across some endless chasm. Similar bridges, none more than a few feet wide, crisscrossed above and below them, and for what they could see, those were the only walkways in the entire plain. No solid landmass showed itself in any direction, only the twisting, spiraling bridges. The friends' movements were slow, dreamlike, fighting against the weight of the air. The place itself, a dim, oppressive world of foul smells and anguished cries, exuded evil. Vile, misshapen monsters swooped over their heads and around the gloomy emptiness, crying out in glee at the unexpected appearance of such tasty morsels. The four friends, so indomitable against the perils of their own world, found themselves without courage. The Nine Hells? Catterbury whispered in a tiny voice, afraid that her words might shatter the temporary inaction of the multitudes gathering in the ever-present shadows. Hades, Driz guessed, more schooled in the known plains. The domain of chaos. Though he was standing right beside his friends, his words rang out as distant as had Catterbury's. Brunner started to growl out a retort, but his voice faded away when he looked at Catterbury and Wolfgar, his children, or so he considered them. Now there was nothing he could possibly do to help them. Wolfgar looked to Drizzt for answers. How can we escape? He pressed bluntly. Is there a door, a window, back to our own world? Drizzt shook his head. He wanted to reassure them, to keep their spirits up in the face of danger. This time, though, the drow had no answers for them. He could see no escape, no hope. A bat-winged creature, dog-like, but with a face grotesquely and unmistakably human, dove at Wolfgar, putting a filthy talon in line with the barbarian's shoulder. Drop! Cadbury yelled to Wolfgar at the last possible second. The barbarian didn't question the command. He fell to his face, and the creature missed its mark. It swerved around in a loop and hung in midair for a split second as it made a tight turn. Then it came back again, hungry for living flesh. Caterbury was ready for it this time, though, and as it neared the group, she loosed an arrow. It reached out lazily toward the monster, cutting a dull gray streak instead of the usual silver. The magic arrow blasted in with the customary strength, though, scorching a wicked hole in the dog fur and unbalancing the monster's flight. It rolled in just above them, trying to right itself, and Brunner chopped it down, dropping it in a spiraling descent into the gloom below them. The friends could hardly be pleased with the minor victory. A hundred similar beasts flitted in and out of their vision above and below and to the sides, many of them ten times larger than the one Brunner and Caterbury had felled. "'We can't be staying here,' Brunner muttered. "'Where do we go, elf?' Drizzt would have been just as content staying where they were, but he knew that marching out of course would comfort his friends and give them at least some feeling that they were making progress out of their dilemma. Only the drow understood the depth of the horror they now faced." Only Driz knew wherever they might travel on the dark plain, the situation would prove to be the same. No escape. This way, he said after a moment of mock contemplation, if there is a door, I sense that it is this way. He took a step down the narrow bridge, but stopped abruptly as the smoke heaved and swirled before them. Then it rose in front of him, 
Humanoid in shape, it was tall and slender, with a bulbous frog-like head and long three-fingered hands that ended in claws. Taller even than Wolfgar, it towered over Drizzt. Chaos, Dark Elf. It lisped in a guttural foreign voice. Hades. Twinkle glowed eagerly in Drizzt's hands, but his other blade, the one forged with ice magic, nearly leaped out at the monster. Air, you do. The creature croaked. Bruno rushed up beside Drizzt. Get yourself back, demon, he growled. Not demon, said Drizzt, understanding the creature's references and remembering more of the many lessons he had been taught about the plains during his years in the city of the drow. Demodand. Bruner looked up at him curiously. And not Hades, Drizzt explained. Tartarus. Good dog elf, croaked the Demodand. Knowing of the lower plains of your people. Then you understand of the power of my people, Drizzt bluffed. And you know how we repay even demon lords who cross us. The Demodan laughed, if that's what it was, for it sounded more like the dying gurgle of a drowning man. <laughs> Dead drow, avenge do not. Far from home are you. It reached a lazy hand toward Drizzt. Brunner rushed by his friend. Muradin! he cried, and he swiped at the Demodan with his mithril axe. The Demodan was faster than the dwarf had expected, though, and it easily dodged the blow, countering with a clubbing blow of its arm that sent Brunner skidding on his face farther down the bridge. The Demodan reached down at the passing dwarf with its wicked claws. Twinkle cut the hand in half before it even reached Brunner. The Demodan turned on Drizzt in amazement. Hurt me, you dead dark elf, it croaked, though no hint of pain rang out in its voice. But better you must do. It snapped the wounded hand out at Drizzt, and as he reflectively dodged it, the Demodan sent its second head out to finish the task at the first, cutting a triple line of gashes down the sprawled dwarf's shoulder. Blast and be bother, Brunner roared, getting back to his knees. You filthy slime covered, he grumbled, launching a second unsuccessful attack. Behind Drizzt, Catterbury bobbed and ducked, trying to get a clear shot with Tolmeril. Beside her, Wolfgar stood at the ready, having no room on the narrow bridge to move up beside the drow. Drizzt moved sluggishly, his scimitars awkwardly twisting through an uneven sequence. Perhaps it was because of the weariness of a long night of fighting or the unusual weight of the air in the plain, but Caterbury, looking on curiously, had never seen the drow so lackluster in his efforts. Still on his knees, farther down the bridge, Brunner swiped more with frustration than his customary lust for battle. Caterbury understood. It wasn't weariness or the heavy air. Hopelessness had befallen the friends. She looked to Wolfgar to beg him to intervene, but the sight of the barbarian beside her gave her no comfort. His wounded arm hung limply at his side, and the heavy head of Aegis Fang dipped below the low-riding smoke. How many more battles could he fight? How many of these wretched Demodan would he be able to put down before he met his end? 
And what end would a victory bring in a plain of unending battles? She wondered. Drizzt felt the despair more keenly. For all the trials of his hard life, the drow had held faith for ultimate justice. He had believed, though he never dared to admit it, that his unyielding faith in his precious principles would bring him the reward he deserved. Now, there was this, a struggle that could only end in death, where one victory brought only more conflict. Damn y'all! Catterby cried. She didn't have a safe shot, but she fired anyway. Her arrow raised a line of blood across Driz's arm, but then exploded into the demodan, rocking it back and giving Bruno the chance to scramble back to Driz's side. Have you lost your fight then? Catterbury scolded them. Easy, girl, Bruno replied somberly, cutting low at the demodan's knees. The creature hopped over the blade gingerly and started another attack, which Driz deflected. Easy yourself, Bruner Battlehammer, Catterbury shouted. You've got the gall to call yourself king of your clan. Ha! Garoon be tossing in his grave if he'd see a fightin' so. Bruner turned a wicked glare on Caterbury, his throat too choked for him to spit out a reply. Drizzt tried to smile. He knew what the young woman, that wonderful young woman, was up to. His lavender eyes lit up with the inner fire. Go to Wolfgar, he told Bruner. Secure our backs and watch for attacks from above. Drizzt eyed the demodan, who had noted his sudden change in demeanor. Come for us two, the drow said evenly, remembering the name given to that particular type of creature. For us two, he taunted, the least of the demodan kind. Come and feel the cut of a drow's blade. Bruner backed away from Drizzt, almost laughing. Part of him wanted to say, what's your point? But a bigger part. The side of him that Caterbury had awakened with her biting references to his proud history had a different message to speak. Come on and fight then, he roared into the shadows of the endless chasm. We've enough for the whole damn world of ya. In seconds, Drizzt was fully in command. His movements remained slowed with the heaviness of the plane, but they were no less magnificent. He fainted and cut, sliced and parried in harmony to offset every move the demodan made. Instinctively, Wolfgar and Brunner started in to help him, but stopped to watch the display. Caterbury turned her gaze outward, plucking off a bowshot wherever a foul form flew into the hanging smoke. She took a quick bead on one body as it dropped from the darkness high above. She pulled Tomorrow away at the last second in absolute shock. "'Regis!' she cried. The halfling ended his half-speed plummet, plopping with a soft puff into the smoke of a second bridge a dozen yards across the emptiness from his friends. He stood and managed to hold his ground against a wave of dizziness and disorientation. Regis! Caterbury cried again. How did you get yourself here? I saw you in that awful hoop, the halfling explained. Thought you might need my help. Bah! More that you got yourself thrown here, rumble belly, Bruner replied. Good to see you too, Regis shot back. But this time, you are mistaken. I came of my own choice. He held the pearl-tipped scepter up for them to see. To bring you this. Truly, Brunner had been glad to see his little friend even before Regis had refuted his suspicions. He admitted his error by bowing low to Regis, his beard dipping under the smoky swirl. Another demon rose up, 
this one across the way on the same bridge as Regis. The halfling showed his friends the scepter again. Catch it, he begged, winding up the throw. This is your only chance to get out of here. He mustered up his nerve. There would only be one chance, and heaved the scepter as powerfully as he could. It spun end over end, tantalizingly slow in its journey toward the three sets of outstretched hands. It could not cut a swift enough path through the heavy air, though, and it lost its speed short of the bridge. No! Bruner cried, seeing their hopes falling away. Caterbury growled in denial, unhitching her laden belt and dropping Talmoral in a single movement. She dove for the scepter. Bruner dropped flat to his chest, desperately to grab her ankles, but she was too far out. A contented look came over her as she caught the scepter. She twisted about in midair and threw it back to Bruner's waiting hands. Then she plummeted from sight without a word of complaint. Laval studied the mirror with trembling hands. The image of the friends and the plane of Tartarus had faded into a dark blur when Regis had jumped through with the scepter. But that was the least of the wizard's concerns now. A thin crack, detectable only at close inspection, slowly etched its way down the center of the tarot hoop. Laval spun on Pook, charging his master and grabbing at the walking stick. Too surprised to fight off the wizard, Pook surrendered the cane and stepped back curiously. Laval rushed back to the mirror. We must destroy its magic, he screamed, and he smashed the cane into the glassy image. The wooden stick, sundered by the device's power, splintered in his hands, and Laval was thrown across the room. Break it! Break it! He begged Pook, his voice a pitiful whine. Get the huffling buck! Pook retorted, still more concerned with Regis and the statuette. You do not understand, Laval cried. The halfling has the scepter. The portal cannot be closed from the other side. Pook's expression shifted from curiosity to concern as the gravity of his wizard's fears descended over him. My dear Laval, he began calmly, are you saying that we have an open door to Tartarus in my living quarters? Laval nodded meekly. Break it! Break it! Pook screamed at the eunuch standing beside him. Heed the wizard's words. Smash that infernal hoop to pieces. Pook picked up the broken end of his walking stick, the silver-shod, meticulously crafted cane he had been given personally by the Pasha of Kalimshan. The morning sun was still low in the eastern sky, but already the guildmaster knew that it would not be a good day. Drizzt, trembling with anguish and anger, roared toward the Demodand, his every thrust aimed at a critical spot. The creature, agile and experienced, dodged the initial assault, but it could not stay the enraged drow. Twinkle cut a blocking arm off at the elbow, and the other blade dove into the Demodand's heart. Drizzt felt a surge of power run through his arm as his scimitar sucked the life force out of the wretched creature, but the drow contained the strength, burying it with his own rage, and held on to it stubbornly. When the thing lay lifeless, Drizzt turned to his companions. I, I, I did not, Regis stammered from across the chasm. She, uh, I... Neither Bruner nor Wolfgar could answer him. They stood frozen, staring into the empty darkness below. Run, 
Drizzt called, seeing a demodan closing in behind the halfling. We shall get to you. Regis tore his eyes from the chasm and surveyed the situation. No need, he shouted back. He pulled out the statuette and held it up for Drizzt to see. Gwenhyver will get me out of here, or perhaps the cat could aid. No, Drizzt cut him short, knowing what he was about to suggest. Summon the panther and be gone. We will meet again in a better place, Regis offered, his voice breaking in sniffles. He placed the statuette down before him and called out softly. Drizzt took the scepter from Brunner and put a comforting hand on his friend's shoulder. He then held the magical item to his chest, attuning his thoughts to its magical emanations. His guess was confirmed. The scepter was indeed the key to the portal back to their own plane, a gate that Drizzt sensed was still open. He scooped up Talmoral and Caterbury's belt. Come, he told his two friends, still staring at the darkness. He pushed them along the bridge, gently but firmly. Gwenhyver sensed the presence of Drizduarden as soon as it came into the plain of Tartarus. The great cat moved with hesitancy when Regis asked it to take him away, but the halfling now possessed the statuette, and Gwenhyver had always known Regis as a friend. Soon, Regis found himself in the swirling tunnel of blackness, drifting toward the distant light that marked Gwenhyver's home plane. Then the halfling knew his error. The Ankh statuette, the link to Gwenhyver still lay on the smoky bridge in Tartarus. Regis turned himself about, struggling against the pull of the planar tunnel's currents. He saw the darkness at the back end of the tunnel and could only guess the risks of reaching through. He could not leave the statuette, not only for fear of losing his magnificent feline friend, but in revulsion at the thought of some foul beast of the lower plains gaining control over Gwenhyver. Bravely, he poked his three fingers through the closing portal. All of his senses jumbled. Overwhelming bursts of signals and images from two planes rushed at him in a nauseating wave. He blocked them away, using his hand as a focal point and concentrating all of his thoughts and energies on the sensations of that hand. Then his hand dropped over something hard, something vividly tangible. It resisted his tug, as though it were not meant to pass through such a gate. Regis was fully stretched now, his feet held straight down the tunnel by the incessant pull, and his hand stubbornly latched to the statuette he would not leave behind. With a final heave, with all the strength the little halfling had ever summoned, and just a tiny bit more, he pulled the statuette through the gate. The smooth ride of the planar tunnel transformed into a nightmarish bounce and skip, with Regis hurtling head over heels and deflecting off the walls which twisted suddenly as if to deny him passage. Through it all, Regis clutched at one thought only, keep the statuette in his grasp. He felt he would surely die. He could not survive the beating and dizzying swirl. Then it died away as abruptly as it had begun, and Regis, still holding the statuette, found himself sitting beside Gwenhyber with his back to the astral tree. He blinked and looked around, hardly believing his fortune. Do not worry, he told the panther. Your master and the others will get back to their world. He looked back down at the statuette, his only link to the prime material plane. But how shall I? While Regis floundered in despair, Gwenhyver reacted differently. The panther spun about in a complete circuit and roared mightily into the starry vastness of the plane. Regis watched the cat's actions in amazement as Gwenhyver leaped about and roared again, then bounded away into the astral nothingness. Regis, more confused than ever, 
looked down at the statuette. One thought, one hope overrode all others at that moment. Gwenhyber knew something. With Drizzt taking a ferocious lead, the three friends charged along, cutting down everything that dared to rise in their path. Bruner and Wolfgar fought wildly, thinking that the drow was leading them to Caterbury. The bridge wound along a curving and rising route, and when Bruner realized its ascending grade, he grew concerned. He was about to protest, to remind the drow that Caterbury had fallen below them, but when he looked back, he saw that the area they had started from was clearly above them. Bruner was a dwarf, accustomed to lightless tunnels, and he could detect the slightest grade unerringly. They were going up, more steeply now than before, and the area they had left continued to rise above them. How, elf? he cried. Up and up we go, but down by what me eyes be telling me. Driz looked back and quickly understood what Bruner was talking about. The drow didn't have time for philosophical inquiries. He was merely following the emanations of the scepter that would surely lead them to a gate. Drizzt did pause, though, to consider one possible quirk of the directionless and apparently circular plane. Another demon rose up before them, but Wolfgar swatted it from the bridge before it could even ready a strike. Blind rage drove the barbarian now, a third burst of adrenaline that denied his wounds and his weariness. He paused every few steps to look about, searching for something vile to hit. Then he rushed back to the front beside Driz to get the first whack at anything trying to block their path. The swirling smoke parted before them suddenly, and they faced a lighted image, blurry but clearly of their own plane. The gate, Drizzt said. The scepter has kept it open. Bruner will pass through first. Bruner looked at Drizzt in blank amazement. Leave? he asked breathlessly. How can you ask me to leave, elf? Me girl's here. She is gone my friend. Drizzt said softly. Bah! Bruner snorted, though it sounded as more like a sniffle. Don't you be so quick to make in such a claim! Drizzt looked upon him with sincere sympathy, but refused to relinquish the point or change his course. And if she were gone, I'd stay as well, Bruner proclaimed, to find her body and carry it from this eternal hell. Drizzt grabbed the dwarf by the shoulders and squared up to face him. Go, Bruner, back to where we all belong, he said. Do not diminish the sacrifice that Caterbury has made for us. Do not steal the meaning from her fall. How can you ask me to leave? Bruner said with a sniffle that he could not mask. Wetness glistened the edges of his gray eyes. How? Can ya? Think not of what has passed, Drizzt said sharply. Beyond that gate is the wizard that sent us here. The wizard that sent Cadabry here. It was all Bruner Battlehammer needed to hear. Fire replaced the tears in his eyes, and with a roar of anger, he dove through the portal, his axe leading the way. Now, Drizzt began, but Wolfgar cut him short. You go, Drizzt, the barbarian replied. Avenge Caterbury and Regis. Finish the quest we undertook together. For myself, there will be no rest. My emptiness will not fade. She is gone, Drizzt said again. Wolfgar nodded. As am I, he said quietly. Drizzt searched for some way to refute the argument 
but truly, Wolfgar's grief seemed too profound for him to ever recover. Then, Wolfgar's gaze shot up, and his mouth gaped in horrified and elated disbelief. Drizzt spun about, not as surprised, but still overwhelmed by the sight before them. Caterbury fell limply and slowly from the dark sky above them. It was a circular plane. Wolfgar and Drizzt leaned together for support. They could not determine if Caterbury was alive or dead. She was wounded gravely, at the least, and even as they watched, a winged demodan swooped down and grabbed at her leg with its huge talons. Before a conscious thought had time to register in Wolfgar's mind, Drizzt had Talmoral bent and sent a silver arrow into flight. It thundered into the side of the demodan's head, just as the creature took hold of the young woman, blasting the thing from life. Go! Wolfgar yelled at Drizzt, taking one stride. I see my quest now. I know what I must do. Drizzt had other ideas. He slipped a foot through Wolfgar's legs and dropped in a spin, driving his other leg into the back of the barbarian's knees and tripping Wolfgar down to the side, toward the portal. Wolfgar understood the drow's intentions at once, and he scrambled to regain his balance. Again, Drizzt was the quicker. The point of a scimitar nicked in under Wolfgar's cheekbone, keeping him moving in the desired direction. As he neared the portal, just when Drizzt expected him to try some desperate maneuver, the drow drove a boot under his shoulder and kicked him hard. Betrayed, Wolfgar tumbled into Pashapuk's central chamber. He ignored his surroundings, grabbing at the terrace hoop and shook it with all of his strength. Traitor! He yelled. Never will I forget this cursed drow! Take your place! Drizzt yelled back at him from across the plains. Only Wolfgar has the strength to hold the gate open and secure. Only Wolfgar. Hold it, son of Bjornagar. If you care for Drizzt Duarden, and if you ever loved Cadabry, hold the gate. Drizzt could only pray that he had appealed to a small part of rationale accessible on the enraged barbarian. The drow turned from the portal, tucking the scepter into his belt and slinging Talmoril over his shoulder. Caterbury was below him now, still falling, still unmoving. Drizzt drew up both his scimitars. How long would it take him to pull Caterbury to a bridge and find his way back to the portal? He wondered. Or would he, too, be caught in an endless, doomed fall? And how long could Wolfgar hold the gate open? He brushed away the questions. He had no time to speculate on their answers. The fires gleamed in his lavender eyes, Twinkle glowed in one hand, and he felt the urgings of his other blade pleading for a Debadan's heart to bite. With all the courage that had marked Drizduarden's existence coursing through his veins, and with all the fury of his perceptions of injustice focused on the fate of that beautiful and broken woman falling endlessly in a hopeless void, he dove into the gloom.